So the first four games of the season are done and dusted. How would you rate the start? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? It's had its ups and downs for sure. Let's just leave it at that for the moment. But before we head off on international duty, we are, of course, going to look at our game against Bristol City, the team who have conceded the most goals so far this season. And, you know, thinking surely with our exceptional attacking options, it was going to be a walk in the park for us, right? (laughs) Well, If you watch Arsenal this season, you know it would not be that easy. Hello and welcome back to Ladies in Red, an Arsenal women's podcast. We're going to take a look at some general news regarding Arsenal, discuss the upcoming international break and some other major talking points in the world of women's football. But first and foremost, of course, let's take a look at that game against Bristol. So as we mentioned last week, this is, of course, one of those must-win games of the season for us. Not just because we haven't had the best start, let's not go into too much detail about that now, but also given Bristol's recent results, it was a great opportunity for us to improve our goal difference, which of course last season was a very important factor in us qualifying for Champions League place for a Champions League place. You know, the chance to qualify for the Champions League is what I'm trying to say. Bristol City, look newly promoted into the league. They have been in the WSL before. Uh, They were relegated in the 2021 season to the Women's Championships in their first season there. They finished third and they were promoted last season. That was their first ever league title. Um, That being said, top tier hasn't been that easy for them. They've failed to pick up any points from their opening games, which we've also discussed. That being said, taking on Arsenal home was never going to be an easy feat, but Given the weaknesses and the vulnerability that we've shown, I think any team would be looking to take this opportunity to exploit that and to go up against Arsenal. Let's take a look at the team that we fielded, shall we? Uh, We went back to the back four, which I was calling for in our last episode. Uh, Zinsberger was back in goal. We had a very solid defence of Steph Catley on the left with Maritz on the right. And then we had Wubamoy and Kodina making her second start for the Arsenal as our centre-back pairing. Midfield, we had Leavalti. Palova was back in, which I was delighted to see, and Kim Little. Caitlin Ford was on the left. Alessia Russo through the middle in that number nine. And then maybe a surprise to everyone, but we did have Katie McCabe on the right. Very unusual. Normally she plays that left wing back position, but she's such a versatile player. And I think that's one of those added values that she brings in addition to her amazing goals that she scores, which of course we're going to talk about today and her general fight and determination on the pitch when we're really graveling. She's always the player that you can look to. So I was really excited to see her play in a more attacking position. Uh, No spoilers. As I mentioned, that decision obviously paid off. The Bristol team, I'm not going to go through the whole team, but um, they were playing with a very deep block. They went went for a 5-4-1 formation, really. They were trying to stifle us out as much as possible. And another thing worth noting was they were forced to play their third choice keeper, Olivia Clark. Number one, uh, Fran Bentley was out with an injury. And of course, their second choice, Caelan Marquise, is, if you don't know, on loan this season from Arsenal. So... Despite their really, really solid formation, I think it was a good chance to exploit maybe that weakness in goal from them. So the game got underway and Arsenal from very, very early on looked comfortable in control. Ford in the fifth minute had a really good opportunity. Um, I think she's had a relatively slow start to the season, given what we saw of her last season. Um, That being said, her shot in the fifth minute came off the near post. From that moment on, it was all Arsenal and it really felt as though we were hunting and Bristol were defending for their lives. We didn't have to wait that long. We didn't have to wait that long at all. In the seventh minute, we had our first goal from no other than Katie McCabe. 
look, if the title didn't give it away and if you haven't seen the match, I'm sorry, I can't keep quiet about it anymore. The girl's on fire. Katie McCabe is on fire and she only scores bangers. She only scores bangers. Um, That goal came from a corner which was cleared out and Katie McCabe cleared it up on the just outside the box I mean not just outside the box she was a fair distance outside took a touch made some space for herself and she absolutely pinged it past the goalkeeper into the top corner it was an absolute rocket but like I said we wouldn't expect anything less from Katie McCabe she doesn't score tappings that's for sure um game continued we looked like we were really really threatening but of course you know we're not used to we're not used to making things easy for ourselves are we it only took Bristol City a few minutes to respond with a Rachel Furness header. It went straight past Innsberger into the back of the net in the 16th minute. It was their first attempt on goal. And look, I think we've been so harsh on the goalkeepers. Not harsh. I think it's been a very valid, justified criticism of the goalkeepers so far this season. But that was defensively, as a team, that was so sloppy from Arsenal. I wouldn't put much much blame on Zinsberger. She has been criticised for not trying to dive, but there was no way she was going to get to the ball anyway. It was a really great ball in. I'm not denying that. And it was an exceptional header, but there was literally no need for Furness to be given that much space to head the ball. It was so unchallenged all across the pitch. They were given far too much space. It was almost an uncontested goal. It was so ridiculous how easy it was for them to concede. And no disrespect to Bristol, of course not, but we can't even keep a clean sheet against the team that's been newly promoted you know what I mean it, it's it's hard it's yet another game that we failed to keep a clean sheet and that comes from the first attempt that they have in the game it's getting really really frustrating now um lacks of concentration to me I honestly believe it's the changing of formation at the back the changing of personnel as well and I know I called for the four at the back this week going up against Bristol but look it's so frustrating to watch and I think it's more the personnel, the the changing of of the centre back pairing week in week out, it's so hard for the players to get used to playing and playing intuitively with each other. I'm just so looking forward to having Leo Williamson back. And that goal in the 60 minute was Bristol's one and only shot on target. Honestly, it was pure domination from Arsenal. Really, we had a total of 79% possession throughout the whole game. And what did we do with it? To be completely honest, not much. There was a lot of wasted opportunities. Crosses going in, not really going anywhere. A lack of direct threat from the centre. And obviously playing against a really, really low block, it's difficult. But it just feels like throughout the season so far, we've been wasting chances with aimless crosses. Crosses aren't going nowhere. They're not beating the first man. And it's getting really annoying and frustrating. Lack of fluidity in the passing. Really, really wasteful in possession. And lacking any direct threat from open play has really been the characteristics of the first opening games of the season. And credit where credit's due, I think Bristol defended so well in comparison to what we saw on on our side. Bristol were very, very organised. They were very structured and they kept that shape pretty much throughout the whole game. Um, One chance in particular that I want to mention was Palova. She made a really great run from deep, created a bit of space and had a long-range shot, which was kept out by Clark, but not in the most convincing manner. It fell straight to Alessia Russo, whose shot was then also saved. And then I believe it was Caitlin Ford who um, 
had essentially it happened, but that was blocked exceptionally on the line by one of their defenders as well. So they really played with a lot of grit and determination and they did very, very well to keep the, the score at 1-1 for as long as they did. In the 59th minute, Katie McCabe came to the rescue yet again, scoring her third in two games for Arsenal. Came from another corner, which actually was won because of a long-range shot from her. The goalkeeper pushed it out and it was pretty similar to, to her first goal. It was a ball in header away she was inside the box this time around and it was a lovely clean finish and um oh I mean there's just there's nothing more you can say I'm really really impressed with her in that role it's so hard with Bet Mead coming back you have to wonder Katie McCabe is in the form of her life obviously she picked up um Arsenal player this season last year and from the majority of this season she was playing in that left back role uh she's been nominated for Ballon d'Or is she our most valuable player at the moment? I'm starting to believe so. I'm starting to believe she's the one player who can really take the game and and change it in a split second. Three goals in two games is exceptional from her. And like I said, they've all been bangers. If anything, her second goal on, on Sunday was the, the least impressive of them all and it was a volley. So, you know, do with that information what you will. Big up Katie McCabe. Where would we, where would we be without you? The game ended 2-1, but let's just have a look at some of the subs who came on. This is another major talking point of the game. In the 76th minute, we had a double substitution. Uh, Leah Kadina, centre-back, was taken off for Beth Mead, who's making her second return following her ACL injury. And Victoria Plova was replaced by Manum. Had Katie dropping back from that right-wing position where Beth Mead was now playing, she went back to left-back and Catley dropped into that left-centre-back position alongside Wuben Moyes. That was quite interesting to see. I thought it was a pretty... Um, interesting substitution in the sense that we were so dominant and I think we probably could have afforded to go to a back three in this situation um but I suppose considering what had gone on in the first in the first few minutes all it takes is a moment uh, or a lack of concentration to concede and that's certainly not what we needed at this point we wanted more goals that's why we're bringing on Beth Mead and Manum um in the 90th minute Alessio Russo came off and on came the goat Viviana Miedema how good was it to to see her back obviously another one of our ACL injuries who has missed over 300 days of football some of her stats are absolutely outrageous she's renowned as one of the greatest strikers in the women's game and it it's not a title that comes lightly to her she is the most goals in WSL history with 74 she's the most goals in a single WSL season with 22 and the most goals in a single WS game with six since the age of 22 she has also held a record for the most goals scored at international level for the Netherlands more than any player including men and women she is a different level so to have her back on the pitch it is incredible especially especially in this time of our desperation for goals obviously it's probably going to take a bit of time to, for her to get back in but it was so great and we could see her work her magic in the in extra time she got the ball and you know she's so much more than a goal scorer as well she's so creative off the ball she plays it really really well she picked up the ball stunning through pass for Beth Mead which was what we were crying out for all game but unfortunately that didn't find the back of the net a bit of a bit of a sloppy touch from Beth but again she's only coming back it can't be too harsh on her it was a split second away from being one of the most beautiful poetic <laughs> um moments of all time in terms of women's football but look it's just so great to have her back on the pitch and we're two for four out of our WS uh, ACL injuries uh from last season that's something to smile about we have to take the wins when we can we have to take the wins when we can but look at the end of the day 
this was another win for us against Bristol. We came away 2-1 victors over them. We made life very difficult for ourselves considering the domination. As I mentioned, we had 79% possession. We had 18 shots in total in comparison to their one. Uh, we had 16 corner kicks. They had none. Uh, and we forced eight goalkeeper saves. They didn't get any, but unfortunately... We also didn't keep the clean sheet. For me, easy easy decision. Uh, player of the match has to be Katie McKay, but honourable mention to Viv Miedema, who, wow, it is so great to have her back and part of the match day squad. Overall, I think we're going to look at this game as pretty much an opportunity wasted. Yes, we came away with the three points and I know Bristol defended very, very well, but you cannot tell me that we don't have enough creativity to break down low blocks like that. We do. We have it in abundance. It's just not clicking, attacking, attackingly for us at the moment. It's going to come, I'm sure it is. Look at the players we've got coming back. Look at the players we have on our bench. It's just trying to figure out the best combination of players, using players who are in form, using them in their best positions. But overall, I am slightly disappointed that we didn't come away with a slightly better goal difference. This is one of those opportunities where we could have worked and gained a bit of an advantage in terms of goals for us. Look, we need to work defensively as well. And I think oh, it's just so frustrating because obviously the change in the personnel isn't helping, but who is our best centre-back pairing right now? I, I'm starting to think it's Beedy and Moy, but obviously the players that we got in over the summer, they need the opportunity to come in. And we don't have, you know, we didn't have an extensive friendly period uh, over the summer, a period for friendlies to be played given how quickly the WSL started after the World Cup, obviously with those Champions League games as well, in the middle of that, it's been crazy. It's been really, really hectic. So I understand where Idavel's coming from, trying to, you know, blood in the players, the new players, trying to find that best centre-back pairing. Obviously, when Lee Williamson's back, it's going to be a different story. It's who's playing with her. Um, But at the moment, it's really tough. And I think the sooner we get that issue sorted, the more goals we're going to feel you know, able to score going forward because at at the back, there's no creative play. There's no real sense of, okay, let's attack. Let's, let's use this opportunity. It's very static and it's very, very limited in what we feel we're able to risk going forward at the moment. And that's an issue that we need to look at. Um, Let's have a look at the other results in the WSL from this weekend. Just gone. Obviously we came away to one winners over Bristol. Uh, The West Ham Liverpool game ended one, one Chelsea, bet Brighton, at home for two Manchester United won against Everton away from home they managed to put a whopping five goals past Everton very impressive result Manchester City ended Leicester City's <laughs> undefeated run they came away as one nil winners in that game and Aston Villa took on Spurs and Spurs won that game for two so plenty of goals scored over the weekend absolutely and I think when you look at certain results here for example Manchester United, um, not so much this week, but also previous week with Manchester City. These are teams who are putting away five goals in single games without conceding. And that's the level that Arsenal need to be on this season. Obviously, it's going to be tough. It's going to take a lot of time to get, like I said, that team gelling. But it has to happen sooner rather than later so that we don't have too much ground to make up on come the latter end of the season. Taking a look at the table, I think it is starting to shape up probably how we would have expected to see it. Manchester City and Chelsea both sit atop with 10 points. City have a better goal difference, so they are top. We then have Spurs in third place with nine points. United are in fourth with eight. Leicester and Liverpool are joint fifth and sixth with seven 
goals and uh, sorry two goals each and seven points Arsenal then are in seventh place we also sit on seven points but like I said our goal difference doesn't look too impressive uh West Ham are in eighth Brighton ninth Everton are in 10th and then down the bottom as we have said last week week in week out we have Aston Villa and Bristol City not looking good for Aston Villa really not looking good and I think you know they haven't had the, the easiest start absolutely not but you would have thought you know they would have been able to get a result against Tottenham they should have been able to get a result against Liverpool so yeah I'm not really sure what's happening there we'll have to wait and see when their first points of the season come but overall yeah going into the international break things could be worse things could definitely be worse we've come away with two wins a draw and a loss it's early days yet I'm not going to say anything you know it's as I said in the first episode this isn't a crisis yet hasn't been the best start but that doesn't mean that it can't be a great finish you know what I mean excited to see how we get on our next game after the international break is against City it's gonna be a tough game but we are at home and I think provided you know it's hard to tell it's hard to tell either side of an international break but um it's a game that we have to win to be completely honest it's a game that we have to win to be in the conversation of being title challengers we're so far off that conversation right now as things stand but we have to be there this is Arsenal the players we got in over the summer Alessio Russo did not come here to 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 finish fourth or fifth you know what I mean um and I'm not saying that we're not capable of it absolutely not it's just the results have to start coming quick because as I said we can't be playing catch-up at the end of the season Mm-mm. just to turn our attention to some off-the-pitch drama um the Arsenal women's squ- squad photo was dropped Look, if you haven't seen the content with that 360 camera, it's gas. It's really, really funny. But one major issue was spotted, and this was covered by many media outlets, including Sky and The Guardian, that issue being the lack of diversity. Every single player in the 27-woman lineup is white. There's no player who's black or of ethnic minority. And a lot of people raised eyebrows about this, and a statement was actually released to um, The Athletic And it read, we acknowledge our current women's team squad does not reflect the diversity that exists across the club and the communities we represent. Increasing uh, participation among young women and girls from diverse backgrounds is a key priority for us at academic level with specific measures in place to improve pathways and accessibility. Across all our teams, including our men and women's academies, we're proud of our players from diverse backgrounds who have contributed to our history, success and culture. It's a priority for the club to continue to drive greater diversity and inclusion and create a sense of belonging for everyone connected to the club. Now, Jen Beattie also spoke about uh, the issue on a podcast she did during the week, saying that it's not a complete representation of everyone who supports Arsenal. I think that's the main issue. It's not seeing yourself in the team that you support. You not feel like you're being represented. There's different issue, uh, different opinions offered on the issue across Twitter. Some people saying it's just a coincidence. Some people saying, you know, oh, what do you expect? We're not just going to bring in some players to 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 diversify the team, shall we say? And a lot of people were saying, what more can be done? Now, look, there's not much I can say on this issue, to be honest. I'm just trying to report on it as 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 I heard about it. But it's definitely something that needs to be addressed because there's no way that within the academy or within the talent pools that we're looking at, that every single player is white. And if that's the case, the talent pools need to be expanded. We need to be looking elsewhere. Um, basically, the, t- the club has come out and accepted that there's a lack of diversity and they vowed to make an improvement. And it's been 
flagged as a key priority. Um, so let's hope that that issue is addressed in the future and that everyone feels represented by the club. On a more positive note, the BBC Women's Footballer of the Year 2023 shortlist was announced. Um, some surprises on it, I would say, for sure. Uh, two names who I think we all expected to see. Uh, bon Mati, who represents Spain and Barcelona. I think, to be honest, she's an absolute shoe and I don't see anyone else coming close to her apart from maybe Mary Earps, the England uh, goalkeeper and Manchester United player. I think obviously this being an English award, she has a very, very good chance. I think if it's, if it's based purely on achievement and quality uh, ability alone, it would have to be Maud Maddy. I mean, there's no player in the world who's come close to her. She's won everything there is to win with Barcelona, the World Cup with Spain. I think every international, uh, excuse me, every individual award she deserves to swipe up this year for sure other names on the list include uh, Rolfo Swedish player who also plays for Barcelona a bit random bit random I don't really understand that one I don't think she's even the second best player in the Barcelona team however and then two names who are of course institutions in the world of women's football Alexandra Pop for Germany and Wolfsburg and Sam Kerr Australia and Chelsea do I think they're it's the most complete list of best women's footballers of the year 2023. Honestly, I don't think so. I can understand why Pop's there. Uh, she made it to the uh, Champions League final last year against Barcelona, of course. And Sam Kerr obviously won WSL and the FA Cup with Chelsea. However, yeah, it's a bit strange. One player in particular who a lot of people are very, very frustrated is not making the list. And I have to agree with, rightly so, is Kira Walsh. She's a, a defensive midfielder. She joined for a record fee from Manchester City to Barcelona last season. And she was crucial, crucial in their success. She's also probably England's most important player. And she was able to get to the final of the World Cup with them. So that's one player who I'm really shocked hasn't made the list. I, so I'm, with no disrespect to any of the names on the list, I just think Kira Walsh, for example, is definitely one of the players who... She's one of the only players who have been given Aitana Bamadi a run for her money, and how she's not on the list is beyond me. But look, all the best to those girls there, and um, if you don't know who you're going to vote for, my personal choice would be Bamadi, but major shout-out to Mary Earps. I think her off-the-pitch representation of the women's game is second to none. Apart from that, the Champions League group draw has also been made we have four groups of four i'm just going to go through them very very quickly in group a we have rosengrad barcelona uh, benfica and eintracht frankfurt um pretty decent group i think barcelona will definitely qualify out of that most likely with frankfurt group b we have uh slavia praha leon sinpoten and Bran, uh, if you look at that, I think that's probably the easiest group. Leon are obviously giants of this competition. Um, I see them easily qualifying. And to be honest, I couldn't I couldn't make a second guess as to who else will get out of that group. Group C is slightly more competitive there. We have Bayern Munich, we have um, PSG, Ajax and Roma. I think Bayern and Paris are probably the two the two who are going to quali qualify out of that. And then Group D, in my opinion, is probably the group of death. We have here Chelsea, Hacken, Paris FC, who put out both Arsenal and Wolfsburg in their Champions League qualifying journey so far this season, and Real Madrid. It's a tough one. I think initially, looking at that, you would think Chelsea and Real Madrid, easy. But from what we've seen so far this season, there's no way you can roll out FC Paris. They've played three games against... Um, 
last season's Champions League semi-finalist Arsenal and then two games, two-legged game against um, Wolfsburg, as I mentioned. It's so crazy. Look, they deserve to be there. I think everyone initially was a little bit shocked, but they put in the performances to get there. It's going to be a tough group to get out of. I think, I do think overall Chelsea and Real Madrid will probably have the squad death and the experience to go through but FC Paris are going to put up a hell of a fight so look it's really interesting I think group D is definitely the one to watch out for group B is definitely the weakest I think a lot of teams will probably be looking at that saying you know as Mark Skinner said it's a bit of a joke that smaller teams are here and some of the English teams aren't but look that's just the way it is all these teams have qualified fair and square to be there this year and all we can hope for is next year that we have an expansion of the group or you know, that you win your domestic league and qualify straight away. Whatever it is, this is what we're dealing with this year and it's going to be good. I'm pretty happy with the draw. It looks very, very enticing so far. And just before we wrap up, let's take a quick look at the international break, this October international break. Who is going where? Well, we have Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford and Kyra Cooney-Cross all flying back to Australia to play three very important games, Iran, the Philippines and Chinese. Hi, and then if we look at Europe, who do we have there? Well, we have plenty of players here. We have Russo and Moy who are going to be playing for England against Belgium in the Nations League. All these matches in Europe are in the Nations League. Beth Mead is actually sitting this one out just to work on her match fitness and not throw herself into it too much. On the other hand, we have Viviana Miedema, who was also called up with Victoria Palova for the Dutch in Group 1. Uh, they are going up against Scotland. We also have Zinsberg, who's been called up for Austria, Manum for Norway. Uh, Katrina Kuhl will be off playing with Denmark. And then we also have, of course, our Swedish girls, <laughs> Illestad and Blackstinius. Uh, they're actually going to be playing against Valti and Maritz for Switzerland. So it's going to be a battle of the Arsenal girls there. Leah Codina has also been called up for this uh, Spanish squad. So the World Cup winners will be uh, getting their um, Nations League campaign underway against Italy. And of course, we have Katie McCabe, Irish captain, who will be there for um the girls in green captaining us against Albania so in Europe plenty plenty of games to be watching of course uh, the Canadian national teams are also in action this month so Lacas and Sabrina D'Angelo will be over there facing of course former gunner Rafaela who I think it's fair to say we all miss so dearly this season but anyway look let's look to all the girls on international break do us proud and please come back injury free that's all we ask until then um probably take a bit of a break from you know the the match updates that kind of thing and have a look at some more general women's football things next week that's my plan anyway let's see how that goes but yeah thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed as always please listen share do whatever you need to do and um yeah I look forward to the next already thank you so much and see you then bye 